up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is the super talented Miss Pekela Ray Bean. She uh, she joined me via Skype from her studio in San Francisco. It's I know it's been forever since I put out a podcast. I think it's been almost a month, maybe. I'd have to look at the dates, but it, it's definitely been a, a long time since I did an interview and uh, put a show up. I, uh, I ha- ended up having some computer troubles, which it's like my computer gets so hot you could fry an egg on the top of it. Um, and all the programs have been working really slow, so it, it's kind of a strain to run these these recording programs. And I was doing all the Ustream stuff before. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do the Ustream for this one. So, um, But anyway, it's, it's great to be back and doing this again. Um, I'm going to get right back into this thing. Uh, even though my computer is still not not feeling well, I have uh, ways to, to take care of business to do this. But I'm still trying to get everything squared away with the computer. And uh, then I'll be back to doing things how we were doing it. Um, Pekela, like I said, joins me from her studio. We talk about podcasting, internet addiction, spare time, Pete Dog, Salt Licks, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, teaching, getting half a haircut, motherly instincts, double exposures... Old Irish Beards, Color Process, PMA, Birthdays, My Vegas Weekend, Gay Pride, and My Love for You. So, as always, make sure you go check out the website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the blog link and you'll get all the information about Pekela and uh, the Live Free podcast. If you're over there, you can click on the PayPal link and donate to the show. I'm very happy to announce that we have a new sponsor on the show, uh, Individual Clothing has uh, has sponsored the next few shows and sent me a, a humongous box of goodies that um, I'm going to start giving away. Uh, I think I'm going to do another Live Free raffle. Um, it seemed to be a cool way to get a bunch of stuff out there. Um, I think for this first one, uh, I might... Since I, this is the first show that they're, that they're uh, sponsoring, I, if you go to... The Twitter li- at Live Free Podcast on Twitter, and tell me that uh, this is all off the top of my head, so I'm stuttering. Tell me that you're an individual, and uh, I'll I'll send you a free shirt. So make sure you go check out Individual Clothing's website. You can find it i n d v s l dot com, or you could type in Individual Clothing. They have some rad stuff over there. I've been rocking the the new Logan Hicks design t-shirt a bunch. It's super awesome. And Crystal's been rocking. I'm not sure who did the design, but there's this, uh, like, the Peace Freedom Bird. You know, like the, like the Woodstock Peace Bird flying. And then all of a sudden it turns into fighter jets. And then the fighter jets are bleeding. There's, like, a, 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 like a process shot of that. And it's really rad because she wears this shirt and she just happens to work near a military base where those same jets are flying overhead all the time. So it's a perfect shirt for her to wear around her work. It's awesome. So make sure you go check that out. I'm, I'm psyched to have them as a sponsor on the Live Free Podcast. Again, it's indvsl.com. And like I said, make sure you check out MikeMaxwellArt.com and click all the links all over there. Like I said before, it's great to be back. I hope to be getting these shows back out weekly. Um, so, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Miss Pekela Ray Bean. 
Let's give Pekela a call. Hello. Hi, Pekela. Hi, Mike. How are you? Let's see if we can get our videos on screen here. There you are. Oh, now I'm in? Yeah. Oh, your kitchen. <laughs> it just slow rolls me sometimes. Yeah. Well, That's thank you very much for, for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. We uh, I haven't actually recorded a podcast in, like, at, I think a month at least. Which oh, seems... Which seems, <laughs> I know it seems crazy, but <clears throat> it was actually really refreshing because I did fifty six in six months, Ugh. and you uh, do a lot of editing too, right? Uh, well, the editing uh, when I first started doing them, I edited the fuck out of them, but now I I, uh, I just let them roll. Let's talk about you instead of my uh, my <laughs> podcasting. But yeah, it's it's nice to have you on here and. Uh, it's nice to get back into this thing and uh, and start putting some more stuff out. Cause it, it, I even though I was jonesing a bit, like I said, it was like it was like going on vacation from it. But I had to actually go get some more life experience instead of talking about the same shit all the time, you know? Yeah, totally. Instead of sitting in front of the computer screen, I feel that sometimes, man. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in front of the computer way too much. It's I know. Embarrassing. <laughs> but it's such a part of our work, you know, to. It is. To be involved. But then a part of it is like there's some sort of weird addiction that comes along with it, too. Because mm -hmm. usually artists are sort of obsessive types anyway. Yeah. Do you find that's the case for yourself? <sighs> On certain things. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's funny that we've gotten to the point at Facebook where I have friends that are like deleting their account because they're getting too obsessed you know, or like deleting certain things because they're like, I check it way too much. I spend so much time on it. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have a little bit more of a lust for life than like sitting online the whole, the whole day through. Yeah. But, but it's yeah. one of those things where like all of a sudden you don't realize the whole day has gone through. Like I'll be like, you know, I'll, I'll set a certain time in the morning to, to get a bunch of stuff done. And yeah. by the time I realize it, three hours have gone by and it's like, <laughs> Shit, yeah. now I need to eat. Now I, you know, now I'm not going to have time to work. I get that, but it, it's so it's such a uh, a brand new phenomenon, really. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a black hole, especially when you start getting into like all the blogs and the, like everyone has a blog now and there's so much information being passed around, it's so hard not to like, oh, and then this goes to this and then this links to this and uh, But that and that <laughs> it's, it's a <laughs> It's that boredom that is what the addiction comes from. It's like, okay, there's no information coming in. I got to do something now. Like, there's, like, almost a, a new need for it. Uh, yeah, that's true. I can see that, yeah. Some people can't deal with that uh, that spare time now. Yeah, I mean, thankfully I have my art practice to kind of deal with my spare time. <laughs> that's I've been thankful for it my whole life because of that. <laughs> like. What I would have done in that open spare time may not have been great for society if I if I would have used that time in a negative way, <laughs> <You> right? <vandal. laughs> or anything, you know. I could, you know, and you see, we see that like kids who have way too much time on their hands and not enough direction, they get fucking wild. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, <laughs> where uh, where'd you grow up at? Um, mostly in the suburbs of LA in Orange County. You have siblings, brothers, sisters. Uh, yeah, I do. I have two older sisters who are 39 and 40 this year, and a little brother, a little baby bro. Nice. Who's, God, he's going to be 21. Ugh. 
I have a little brother just turned 16. That's It's so wild. <laughs> I know. It's such a different world. Like, I wanted to try to give him advice, but I would be giving him advice from me as a, like, in my 16-year-old days. And it's so far advanced and different. Oh, so different. I would hate... I would hate like being being my brother's age, like being like sixteen to to twenty, like right now, because you're making all these mistakes and everything is on blast. You know what I mean? Your whole life is constantly on blast because of the internet and the information. It would suck, man. I would, ugh, it would be horrible. <laughs> yeah, imagine. I was thinking about that, like how like rumors would spread before. Do you have any headphones by you by chance? Um, I don't even know if I own headphones. All right, it's not a big deal. Have you noticed that my voice pops through sometimes? It's a, it's a little it's a little patchy, but I can still understand you. Let me see if I can dig some up. Yeah, dude, I, I don't I don't even think I have any. That's okay. <laughs> cool. How's Petey, Doug? Petey is awesome. He's sleeping. I just uh, we just had my buddy stopped by uh, just a minute ago, right before we did this, and we smoked a joint outside. He had like say his neighbor dog or his roommate's dog got out of the house and ran down the street. So he went chasing after it and carried it all the way home. And so he like reeked of this dog or not reeked, but you know, he smelled of the dog. And I was trying to get Pete to come inside so we could go out front, me and my buddy, and smoke this joint. And uh, all Pete would do was just attach to the do my my buddy's leg because he just <laughs> smelled like his dog. Just lick his leg. I remember that being one of Petey's favorite things. Yeah, salt legs and salt leg. <laughs> yes. Especially since we had when we went to your house, we had like just got back from the beach too, so it was like extra salty. Oh yeah, yeah the sea salt I mean, was I, perfect. I totally empathize with that because I have a serious serious salt addiction. <laughs> so. I, you know, I get it, Petey. <laughs> I just, um, I just posted on my, my Twitter and Facebook the other day that I just realized how, dis- it took me 32 years to, uh, realize how disgusting French fries are. <laughs> and it's that, it's that, like, all of a sudden I was like, wait, instead of just my addiction to salt and fat and, you know, and sugar otherwise, if I actually like was conscious and like paid attention to what my tongue was saying about this taste, I would never eat these things. But all I'm thinking about is my brain going, "Ooh, give me salt, please," you know. And they, they, they taste terrible. It was it was unbelievable. It took me that long to realize how how awful fried foods taste. Yeah, I don't I don't eat too many. I mean, I do like mostly cooking at home, so I'm not too big on, on the like fried food but like man just salt makes everything better I put like extra salt when I make chocolate chip cookies because it just <laughs> my theory is that it brings out the taste in all foods but I think that's just the crippling addiction I have to <laughs> there's something very special Justify it in any way <laughs> there's something very special about salt and sweet together yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so when uh when did you start making the arts do you remember? Do you remember like your first attempts? Obviously, we make things when we're young, but what? Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, that's a natural. It's the natural. Do you remember when you were like? My mom um, isn't. I mean, she's not a practicing artist, but she went to the Kendall School of Design in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So she's kind of always been like the backbone of the operation. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> always been like, yeah, you should you should take some art classes. You should do stuff. So I've been in painting classes probably since I was like seven or eight like really little my parents just you know instead of doing like soccer I did like ballet and watercolor <laughs> nice I uh, I did my niece just did my niece and my sister just did a, a play 
at um, my niece goes to a dance school that also has some actors and has uh, you know ballet and then like some like a hip hop dance class like the whole thing you know and they did a performance of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory this past weekend that I went to it was amazing like there was these kids that were so into it they were such good actors I love that yeah like such good facial expressions and like always were like entertaining and there's like little two-year-old oompa loompas that were coming out <laughs> doing little dance routines that, that like so tender. oh my it was it was unbelievable i think we have some photos but i don't know how good the photos came out in the theater man I'm that's put so them up. crazy i love that i i wish so i'm i work in a preschool part-time um, as a as an afternoon teacher, and it's so awesome to see like the little kids get so stoked on stuff. We have two little girls who are like really amped on painting and like all the art projects that we do. It's so oh, it's so great to see like just how visceral it is and how I don't know if you put if you put it in front of them like they'll do it and they'll do it for hours. You know, especially when it comes to like artistic endeavors. Yeah, it's for great. sure. When did you start teaching? I didn't know you. I didn't know you taught. That's a new. Oh, pretty recently. Um, I think that I had just started, let's see, probably like four months now. It's not, I mean, it was just kind of like fell into my lap. My, my old friend from college came in, I was working at Park Life. I work there like occasionally, um, when they need someone and she came in and was like, Oh, I'm preschool teaching like right across the street and we need extra teachers. And I was like, Oh, sign me up. And I've been like a nanny pretty much the whole time I've been in San Francisco. So I'm good with kids and just, I feel like teaching is a really important part of also creating, you know, because it, it reinforces everything. And it's really good to see little kids do that because you're like, Oh, like, this is how I should be feeling. I should be feeling like super amped. Like this little three-year-old is about doing this, you know? And so it's, it's good to see that. It's awesome. I love it. (laughs) I agree with you totally. Like I, I'm the type of person who like, even when other artists who are like, people in my genre or maybe like just like a generation below me or a few years younger than me if they ask me questions about how to make things i'm i'm very open about sharing ideas and and processes and like Mm -hmm. ways to go about making new things like and i find there's there's a lot of people who are really um hush hush and like secretive about their process like you notice that there's like this like there's this like I want to be a mysterious artist like there's the type of artist that want to keep everything like keep the magic hidden almost like the, like the magic sorority like you can't ever tell how the tricks are made because it's all yeah. really tricks like smoke and mirrors <laughs> and then there's some that are like are free like I don't give a shit I'll just here here's how it, here's how it works it's not that big a deal <laughs> I'll, I'll take a picture every step of the process so yeah I mean I, I, I kind of can understand why people would be secretive about their process but I'm like half and half. I don't like taking pictures of my stuff, like process shots of it, but I'll, I'll break down my, how I make it for sure. You know, I'll, I'll lay down like the steps that it took to get to where I am, but I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't like people looking at my paintings and my things when they're half finished, just cause I feel like, I don't know. It's like getting like half your haircut and then being like, what well, do you like it? Do you like it? And it's like, no, man, that's weird. And like asymmetrical and, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, weird, I'm weird about that stuff. So studio visits are always a little awkward for me because I'm like, you can't come until like I'm finished with this piece and just starting this piece. <laughs> do you do you feel like is it part that you're trying to keep that a secret or is it because here's an example like I just did this live painting thing with the silent comedy at um, 
the LA County Museum of Art. And oh, yeah, how'd that go? It was awesome. It was really fun. Um, but oh. the thing was is that I realized, oh, shit, I got to make th this thing be finished because these, this band is getting ready to go on tour. This is their first stop of their West Coast tour that they're doing. I can't have a half-done painting on the front of their keyboard stand. Yeah. I got to hurry up and make this thing be done. And then as I'm thinking, like, I'm the type that's like every little piece has to be perfect. You know, yeah. like I want it to be what I want it to be. And if I half-ass it, I know it. Even though I yeah, knew totally. I only I only yeah, had absolutely. enough time to, to half-ass it, you know, because there was only so much time available to paint it. So I knew I had to take a couple shortcuts. So, like, I was kind of concerned about people seeing my shortcuts. So, is yeah. it a thing like that? Like, you just don't want the, the public to see, like, a finished... You want them to see the finished product because that's where it looks its best, where you want it to be? Or is it that secretive thing? Well, no, I think that I would rather, like, have it enter into the world completely. You know? I, I mean, like I said, I'm totally open about about my process. Like, I pretty much use technology, like, the whole way through until I lay the paint on the canvas, you know? So, and I'll tell anybody about that. Like, you know, I composite images in Photoshop and I pick out my colors using the color picker in Photoshop and I project the image like onto canvas so that I get all the proportions right and all the details like really, really down pat, you know? So, I mean, I'll tell everybody that, but it's just like, there's something about like have, having a piece be half finished, like, in the blogosphere or like, you know, me putting it out there. I don't, I don't know. It's like a weird little neurosis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I, we just, we just met recently, I guess. Was it the begin? It was, I guess the beginning of this year. Maybe the uh, end. Well, when's the last time you were up in San Francisco? So I was trying to remember yesterday and I, I don't remember. I think it was the beginning of this year. Maybe January. No, it had to have been 2010. Right. I don't, I don't think so. If it was, it was like December. Yeah, I but guess I, so. I just remember those board shorts. And it was before the CeeLo video blew up because you showed it to me and Mike first and it blew our minds. <laughs> and then it was all over like that next day. <laughs> no, I know. I wore, um, I think I was the first person in the history of the Tenderloin to wear board shorts and a tank top in the Tenderloin <laughs> at the same time. I mean, on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. I was I was right in the middle of my really uh, solid workout routine where I was getting up and running a mile every every morning. And, yeah, uh, psycho. <laughs> I was in that process. Now I'm doing jujitsu, which I, I keep getting hurt. It, it's killing me. Like, I just yeah. was out for two weeks with a neck injury. Oh, Mike. <laughs> it's it's be careful i'm such like a mom man i'm always just like uh d d don't stand too close to the ledge like <laughs> so protective well i know and that also like is really good when you're a preschool teacher too because these kids get wily like, oh, I bet. <laughs> they get so rowdy and you're just like ah, stop running around give me a minute <laughs> um you just came off a, a show at think space where we were talking about your work that um we, can we talk about, you mentioned the process of how you do things. Um, mm -hmm. Your your latest show, I know you use a lot of double exposure I imagery. Um, and there's this mix of, which is really interesting because it totally corresponded with this weird mix that I was going through at the same time. But mm -hmm. um, you were doing uh, this mix of like nature and man together and mm -hmm. using that, that photo uh, 
the double exposure, like that photo technique to yeah. to overlay, but creating these really photorealistic paintings out of it. Um, it was really, really interesting. Uh, was there was there something behind connecting man and nature in such a way, or did it was it more aesthetics for you? You know, it's kind of a mixture of the two. I feel. <laughs> I don't know why I only give you two options to choose from, but no, 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 you no, have no. To, you can only choose from those two. No, that's cool. I'm just trying to um, figure out how I can verbalize it. Yeah. I mean, na nature has always been a pretty integral part of my life. Like my mom, not only was she an artist, but she's an environmentalist too. She like worked for Al Gore and worked for Greenpeace and stuff. So it's always kind of been like in the background of my life. And I always have to live like near, like I live near Golden Gate Park, like near nature. So it's just kind of always there, you know? And also like, what what's more beautiful than like a big bush of flowers man <laughs> like the feminine the femininity of my pieces really come out when you bring nature into them too yeah well there was so, the one piece that i believe you have a print out at park life right now of of the image it's to mm -hmm. me it almost looks like a man but i just i was observing it a little bit more like mm -hmm. the the bottom part looks like a beard around the ch around the jawline but mm -hmm. I was looking at it today. I was like, no, I don't really think that is a beard. Is that a man or a woman in that image? Do you know You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 10,000 times is the title. Oh, yeah. I can see where you can see that. Like, um, it almost looks like an old Irish beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but that's great. I love I love hearing that because you kind of you kind of uh, put your own little twist on it. And that's that's kind of why I don't like to paint, like, full-on portraits or you know, like really, really get into the details of the face because I would rather have people kind of assert their own themselves or like what, you know, what they know into the piece. Cause I, it makes it more intimate for the viewer when they do that. You know, like when you see a portrait of someone, you're like, oh, that's like a portrait of this person I don't know. And it's painted really well, but that's about all of, of like the intimacy I can get out of it. Sure. The, um, that one in particular, I found interesting, I think because of the fact that with the other works, there's a, a noticeable layering effect of like, here's here's a number of different scenes put together to, to make one scene. Mm -hmm. Yet with that one, there's almost like a connectivity of everything. Like it, mm -hmm. it lays a little flatter than the depth of the other ones. It almost yeah. like... There, there's a reason for that. It, that's, that's one of the first... Um one of the first pieces I've done using an actual like film double exposure picture. So that was not compiled in Photoshop by me. That was taken by my friend Tamara. And uh, so it was, it's an actual double exposure image. So that's why the, the layers are kind of a little bit more fluid than my other pieces, because in, in a lot of the other pieces, I'm actually taking two photos, you know, and, and screening them on Photoshop and making those adjustments myself. But this one, I, like she showed me this picture and I was like, Oh. <laughs> perfect yeah like there's a, an ethereal effect to that whereas i think the other pieces are more narrative almost like it's almost telling like uh like a a step-by-step -step process not a, a, like a step-by-step -step story like here's yeah. or you know uh it, it reminds me of like taking three frames of a movie you know, like there's movement to it, even though it's it's a still image, you know, like that's that's the sense I get from the, the double exposure. It's almost like it's it's not necessarily like a photographic double exposure, but like almost like a film series.
Yeah. Is that movement important for you when you're making that stuff? Yeah, I mean, and that's what's that's what was so great about that piece for me is like I'm still like way deep in the infancy of my art career, so like making making that piece was really awesome because I got such a positive reaction to it that I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> so this is what I need to be doing now. Like, and now I've just kind of been messing around a little bit with like doing more film, like in camera processing as opposed to post production stuff. Um, right now, the piece that I'm working on. Uh, right next to me, um, is also a double, like an in-camera double exposure. So I, I, there, I mean, like I said, with the other one there, it's more, it's way more fluid, you know, and it's actually like a double exposure instead of that, like really obvious layering effect. There's a, the layering effect. There's something that I noticed that I found really, um, interesting is the, the, it's the spots where the, the images lay over one another, mm-hmm. how that color process changes. <clears throat> and you had mentioned your your process of of figuring out the colors, but there's yeah. still uh, the application process of of mixing the paint and getting it to that that perfect color mixture to to make that process seem smooth. Mm-hmm. I noticed that there's almost a haze that you it looks like you use. Do or do you use a lot of washes or do? You... No, I don't. I don't use any washes. Any you're any just layer a color master. Like, like it's pretty much the purest like oil paint and that's it I you know sometimes I'll do like an underpainting um in like in burnt sienna uh, acrylic you know just so I can get like the dark and the light values yeah but I mean I don't use any like glazing any techniques like that yeah because some there's the one piece there's the piece with the it I think it almost looks like some Amish women's legs I want to say <laughs> that and that's just from my from my memory and it's it's a few sets of legs, right? In like a with maybe there's a field. She is it from a show in L.A. or is yeah. it a past piece? It was from the Think Space show, I believe. Are you are you looking on my website? Maybe they're in a room. I don't have it up right now. I have too much stuff running. My computer doesn't. Uh, I know feel right. <laughs> computer meltdown. Well, there's um, like a a spot where it it seems like almost like it there's you have this ability to put that back layer really far back into the painting there's a, a depth to it that it almost seems like there's like a like a fog over that last layer which we would mm-hmm. we would see in a in a double exposure type of like one image laid over another image with a transparency but the ability to do that with color is really phenomenal Thanks. and you have to show me how <laughs> I, I mean it's it's surprisingly easy because to me i mean i'm after going to like a really traditional art school and you know and you get that stuff pounded into you like color mixing and like paint this fucking apple like 37 million times you know it it, color to me is really natural now but I took this one class at my school with this teacher Kevin Moore who like completely completely changed how I paint, how like my entire process, like blew my mind totally, which, which is awesome, which I think every, every student needs to have for sure. But he just kind of entered like Photoshop and technology into my practice, which has changed. Oh man, I can't even like, I can't even verbalize it. It's just, it's intense, you know? And so I'm able to get kind of like that luminosity that you can get when you're working on a computer screen with colors, you know, because I've been able to break down the the color mixing process so much that 
most of most of the colors that I mix are only three to four. It's like a white, um, a darker color, and then whatever the base color is, like a red or a blue or a yellow, you know? So uh-huh. I'm able to, like, really, like, not muddy the colors up at all, which it, I think it <laughs> turned out really nicely. So, and I don't ever waste paint because I know how much to use and, and the color. I, it's just great. It's awesome. I love Kevin. <laughs> that's good. I think that's one of the big benefits that a lot of self-taught artists uh, – lose out on is mm-hmm. some of that expertise being taught yeah. to you at a, at a young age you know mm-hmm. some of those early color steps like because color is really really difficult like the process is like if you tell somebody what color or ask somebody okay what color is this how would you make that with paint most yeah. people have no idea like it's, oh, it's really it's difficult so yeah, and like when you when you train your eye so like for like years, you know, when you have that pounded into you, just like no, this is a cool and this is a a warm, you know, and then you're able to like really quickly pick up on the subtleties. Like if I if a color's wrong, like I'm like oh, I just need to add yellow and warm it up a little bit, or like this cool red to like warm and tone it down, you know. So you're right. I mean, outsider artists. It, it would be tough to like mess with color. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. only other field I could think of is printers. Like Crystal is is spot on. Like she could see the digital printer if the cyan is out a little bit, like she could she could point it out like almost instantly. Yeah. Well, there something that I wanted to talk about about the work was the dreamlike state that comes that comes through. I know we meant we talk about the double exposure and what that does. Like there's almost uh an escape from from natural elements you but you're still using natural elements that feels a lot like weird dreams and it's funny too because i had a bunch of really weird dreams like really uh really visual dreams last night so this fits sort of perfect and it's probably because i was thinking about that last night like the the imagery sort of mocks like not mocks but uh to me it, it sort of encapsulates almost like a hallucination Mm-hmm. Like it has that sort of ethereal feel. Ethereal, yeah, that's that's the word that I use a lot <laughs> when it comes to things like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where that comes from. I think just like my eternal quest to make everything beautiful and wonderful and like perfect and pleasantville. It, yeah, I don't know where it comes from, man. It's just it's that desire for beauty constantly. Do you, um, does that, does that carry through into your, your waking, like, daily life outside of art? Do you try to, do you keep that same positive mentality everywhere you go? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can say that really easily, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, riding my bike and I'm like, fuck everyone! Fuck this. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, when... I, you know, I try. It's hard, it, it's hard, but, like, in my painting, it's, it's the purest because it's when I'm with myself and, like, with my, you know, with, like my purest form of being like who I want to be it like really comes out on the canvas you know but in but you know theory is always black and white and actuality is gray so I, I mean yeah sure I've got I've got loads of PMA <laughs> well I think <laughs> when you got to give some girl some anger <laughs> yeah no doubt we all have we all have our our uh we got to have our our outlets for those things that's the important part jujitsu <laughs> Because you and I met, and it was almost like we were friends right away, even though, you know, and I, I assume, do you find that that's the case with a lot of people who you you come across? Because if you have, if, I noticed that if you keep this real strong, positive mental attitude, it, it like, it carries over to other people, and it, it has a tendency to draw people in. Yeah, it, absolutely. Well, and 
it's not only drawing people in, it's drawing the right type of people in. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't have a lot of people in my life who are like downers and really, really pessimistic people, you know, because I just, I can't be around those people. It's just like dragging the whole mood, mood down, you know? So when you do keep that, like you said, like positive attitude and, you know, it, it kind of puts it out into the world. And I think people who kind of act the same are, are really attracted to that because they can relate to it. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, I've learned a lot about trying to be more positive over the last year and a half myself, like, mm -hmm. like figuring out the, or it's even, it's more so like figuring out the reasons that you get pissed off. <sighs> yeah. You know, and then understanding why those things happen and then figuring out ways to, to correct those, those like little chinks in the armor or whatever, mm -hmm. or in the, ch in the links. What's yeah. that? What's that? That sounds racist. Chinks in the, what is chinks, it? Chinks, chinks in the, the chain? Armor. Yeah. In the no, armor? That's, that's that right? dead on. I mean, that, and that's something that I've been struggling with a lot too. Like, especially when it comes to like close relationships. And this is something that like Mike has helped me with a lot too. Um, he, you know, when I, I kept having the attitude, like, why are you doing this to me? Like, how come you're treating me like this? You know what I mean? When I would like get into fights with like loved ones or friends or whatever, you know, but it, that's not what it's about. It's like, why why am i reacting this way like how come i can't put up with this like how come i'm getting angry instead of just like realizing that this is what's happening and i am gonna like take i don't know i don't like to say the higher path because that makes it sound or the higher road because that's make make it sound like i'm like better than somebody but yeah. do you know what i mean like how come i can't like come at this in like a calm loving manner how come like when we get in a fight, like I go right to like angry or like stressed out about it. So, it, I mean, it's it's a constant battle, definitely, to have to like come at things even keeled and like really neutral. Because sometimes you're just like, I just want to fucking break your face with a new lock right now. Like I'm so mad. <laughs> totally. And you know, it's so funny. There was a, there was some scientific study that came out a couple months ago that talked about how our brains, when we when we argue with one another, that our brains decide to throw out logic and like the, the obvious truths and just decide to try to make our argument win. Like there's an actual process that takes place. And we have to, like with the anger thing, it's almost like we have to even go one step further. It's like not only why am I reacting to the way these people are behaving towards me, instead of saying like, uh, why are they doing that to me? Yeah. figure out that next step is okay i'm angry about this thing but what is it that's actually making me angry if we realize that it's not the other person like even yeah, taking totally. that that next and then that probably leads to a next set of spiral staircases that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and then you figure out like you don't have to worry about that shit yeah i, I mean it's just hard because I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just like my age thing. I'm turning 25 on Friday, which I feel like I should be getting out, <laughs> getting out of this like age of like drama. But I don't yeah. know. I feel like it, it's hard for me not to think that everything everybody does is like so. I don't know. So purposeful, you know. Like, oh, you're you're doing this thing to me because you're trying to hurt me. You know what is the what's the word for that? I don't know. Just. It's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to come at people like that and just realize that they're doing them. <laughs> well, that's what it is. There's there's a very strange thing. You'll have that for the next five years of life. Mm -hmm. And then when you hit 30, <laughs> like, like it, something will change. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, you know, our our childhood period is, is so spent on, like, 
figuring out who we are, you know, adolescence and those things, then, then through our 20s, we're figuring out how we fit into society, you know, how, what, what place we hold in this, in this place. And then when you hit thirties, you're like, Oh, fuck it. Anyway, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, I think. God. No, when I, there's something you'll, there's some weird shift that happens at 30 for some Totally, reason. totally. No, like a psychic sh- shift. I feel like that kind of happens to me at every birthday though, or every birthday. Birthdays, birthdays are a weird, are a weird thing for me because I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, like calendar wise, I'm like a year older and now I have to like say that I'm a different age than I was like yesterday. And it's a lot to deal with, especially being like this age, because I feel like a lot of people are really set up, you know, and have like this life plan. And so it's hard for me to not get bogged down by that and be like, oh, but I don't want the nine to five. Like, I don't, I don't want that kind of situation. I don't want to be like working in an office, making like a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that would be nice, but (laughs) You know, I, that's not, I don't want to be working for anybody else but myself. And so it's kind of hard because society kind of measures success by like those standards. And so it's weird when you're working on kind of the like peripheral of that whole standard, you know? What you have to do though, what you'll notice, it's the same thing with like figuring out the anger is that you have to not judge what what other people are doing based on what you're doing like it's almost like we're all just running in parallel straight lines like to look at a, somebody else's straight line at one singular point is and then compare it to your own is it's almost it's apples and oranges there's no even though even totally, two people totally. in the, in the same profession they let's say went to the same school did all the same things it's two totally separate experiences and we never really know what each of those other experiences is like. And it's just our mind trying to tie connections to the two. And then make us some, it often makes us feel bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you, because you're like, <laughs> it seems like people have their life in, in some sort of order. You know, like that idea, like everybody else has this sort of shit together. But what we don't realize is all the other little broken pieces that are a part of those things that look like they're put together too, you know? Yeah. But our brains automatically do that. That stuff is just so abstract (laughs) for me. Like, I'm starting to learn that, like, the comparison thing, which I think, I feel like genetically girls are so good at, you know? It's just the constant, like, comparison to, like, everything around you. It's so hard not to. Well, with me saying that, don't pretend like I don't do the same thing. Like, I've, so many times I've been like, Oh, that artist got this show? What the fuck? Why isn't my shit up in that show? You know, like, and then I have to stop myself and say, wait, why That's are what... you, yeah, why are you comparing your experience to some other ones? Or why are you implanting what should be? Like, this idea of what should be mm-hmm. is, you know, is another one of those things that our brain fucks us up with. Like, our ideas of what the, sh- the future is supposed to look like. It's yeah. never what we plan. Even when we make plans to, like, go out to dinner, it's never quite. Quite, you know, there's little, there's little things that happen along the way. You know? yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and that, but and then comes like the expectations, which also I think is like a weird thing for birthdays too, because you expect it to be like this awesome, like you know, like when you were a little kid, like fuck yeah, my parents are gonna throw me this awesome party. Everybody's gonna bring me all these gifts. Like people are gonna celebrate me, and now I'm just like, oh, I just wanna like be alone. <laughs> this year, I uh, I made sure to go shut off all my uh, social media birthday dates. Oh, so yeah. that I didn't, 
so I didn't See, get that. I'm totally vain. I'm like, yeah, I want to get like 300 comments on my Facebook because it's my birthday. <laughs> I did not. Why would want I not that. let people? <laughs> like, why would I hinder their celebrating my life? <laughs> Birthdays have always been really weird for me. I just, I just turned 32 on in at the end of June, and uh, me and my. Me and my dad and my niece all share the same birthday. Whoa. So birthdays have, have for me, have always been like this weird shared experience. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's never been that, uh, like, mostly selfish. Like, I'm always, like, trying to do things for my dad. And then when my niece was born, it's, it's always, you know, focusing on her. But this year, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to be selfish. And I flew out to Vegas. Got oh, wild. you saw Joe Rogan? Oh, my computer's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I did. I went and saw the uh, the Joe Rogan show at Mandalay How is Bay. That? The only the only thing I've ever heard of him, I, I don't listen to a lot, like a ton of stand up, but I heard when he was like describing his trip on DMT. <laughs> yeah, nice. He's hysterical. <laughs> it, it was really good. It was a funny show. It was him. Um, my buddy Joey Coco Diaz opened up. He opens for him quite a bit, and I, I just recently made friends with him. Funniest guy working in comedy. If he's ever up in San Francisco, I highly recommend. And there's so many good San Francisco uh, comedy shows all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then Doug Benson and Ari Shafir opened up for him as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to UFC 132 the following day because I'm buddies with some of Rogan's friends, so I ended up getting a floor ticket. For, I'd never been to UFC before, first of all. And I'm trying to think if I have. It's pretty hit rich. <laughs> it's serious, yeah. It's in the ghetto. <laughs> and so I uh I got to I was like twenty feet from the ring, twenty yards from the ring, you know, because I had these I had like you know, like thousand dollar tickets. Yikes. And it was a an amazing event. Like the the fights it was probably one of the best fight cards of the year. So is it like a is it like a like a boxing ring or is it one of those like caged? It's a caged box? octagon. Okay, okay, because that's what I think of every time I hear like UFC fighting, but I'm not sure if that's just television or. No, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. that's scary. It was it was such an amazing experience being there live because I've watched it for years and years, but I've never been mm -hmm. there for and it's almost like i ended up watching more of it on the screen you know like the big screen because in the yeah. when they're in the ring there's like guys on the side with cameras and like these pads you can't really see that much anyway but that like kind of unfortunate you <laughs> there's stuff i mean you could see but there's part there's moments where you can't so like part of it is just the shared experience with the crowd which i guess is kind of like why people go to concerts and shit right yeah which i hate I hate I hate concerts I have to, too. I like, love severely love a band or like something to go to a place where there's lots of people. I don't know. I it was Gay Pride weekend. Um this not last weekend but the weekend before. Uh -huh. And like, yeah, go for it. Celebrate, you know, but I was trying to get to Mike's house and he lives in the Tenderloin as you know and like it, that was like where the heart of it was and I was just like having a panic attack like oh my god like everyone's half naked and on ecstasy and like freaking out and there's all this techno music I'm like panic attacking like in the middle I felt like I was in a, a movie like so there's like a bird's eye view of me just like trying to get through this huge crowd with my bike being like ah that's that moment you gotta relax 
oh my god, I know. And then Mike was like, have some, have some of this. And I was like, yeah. I'm the same way. Like, I, I hate going. Like, I, I get halfway through a concert and I'm like, it's time to go. This, I, I'm thinking about when this is going to be over because I'd rather be by myself or me and my lady and, or, you know, me and a couple friends. Because it always turns into that scene. Ugh, it's just it's just so tiring. I don't know. I feel like maybe it goes in waves. Like, you know, when I was younger, like when I first discovered shows, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go to all these shows. Even if I don't know the band, like, I just love it. I love feeling like the energy of the crowd. But now I'm just like, oh, I could just listen to your album on iTunes. Yep. By myself. That's funny. <laughs> that's that's the, horrible. That's the twenty-five lol. Yeah. So that's the that's the midway like that weird range between twenty yeah. twenty and thirty. <laughs> but then, like, I look at my parents, and they're they're my, they're both like mid fifties, and they live in Hawaii. So when people like when shows come out to Hawaii, it's like it's like big people, you know, like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, <laughs> and they're like, "Fuck yeah, we're gonna go to this concert and have so much fun," and like. My parents are also stoners. Nice. So I just told a, a Crosby, Stills, and Nash story to my buddy that we were driving up to L.A. Um, I had me and my two friends went to uh, SDSU. They have a, a an open air theater there, mm-hmm. and Crosby, Stills, and Nash was playing at the open air theater. So we we're like, my two buddies ate acid. So I was like, Ooh. well, let's just go down there and <laughs> it, we'll just listen outside if we don't get tickets or whatever. Cause we didn't ha- I don't think we had the money for tickets or whatever the deal was. So we're just kicking on the side of the like the area. There's like this grass area to the left of the stage or the left of the arena. And we see this car pull up and all of a sudden people like a young you know, a young female and two men start pulling out uh band equipment out of their car. And I'm like, Hey, what are you guys doing? You need some help? And they're like, yeah, 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 we do. Turns out this was the opening band for Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but they had won like a radio contest. They were a local band. Oh, cute. And so they got to open, do be the first opener for this for this show. But literally, they're like, you know, like nobody knows them in like garage band, but we're good enough to you know win this contest. Yeah. And you know, they probably played some little cafes or something. So we ended up helping them carry all their equipment down to the down to the stage. And they're like, Are you guys coming to the show? We're like, Ah, oh, no, no, we don't have any tickets. These guys are an acid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they ended up giving us tickets and we got to, we got to go to the show and we, we I was talking about like how getting into shows for free at, at a young age, which was it's always was like, the best. It's so fun. I snuck it's into so uh it's like it's like legal fun or like legal I don't know like little vandalism kind of like I remember the first show that I went to in San Francisco was um, Joanna Newsom and she played at the Great America or uh, the Swedish American Music Hall and like my friend had, had bought a ticket and what they do is they like stamp your hand so we were like oh we're gonna fucking totally like we're gonna totally like rip them off and like so we rolled the stamp like onto my hand and I got in and I was just like yeah it's so empowering <laughs> it was awesome are you a smog fan do you like Bill Callahan oh, absolutely absolutely Billy Bragg that whole crowd yeah definitely all those guys changed changed my life and it was so awesome coming up here because I growing up I was like far enough outside of LA where I didn't really get up to see all the shows that much you know and I don't know. So I, I wasn't really going to a ton 
when I was little, or like in high school when I was little. <laughs> when you were a little, <laughs> when a little I, tot. When I was seven. <laughs> but like coming up here, it was like a rebirth into the music scene because it just like bands play constantly here. Yeah, you know, totally. So, so that so it was awesome, and like I, free shows at Amoeba. Oh, love that. How do you pronounce your last name? Hmm? How do you pronounce your last name? Bean, like the vegetable. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought, but I didn't. I, it it almost looks like it should have uh, some other sounds. Yeah, is German? Know, it's, it's Dutch. Dutch. And I think that the tra- or the the pronunciation got lost along the way. I think it's supposed to be like something uglier, like Bein. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> how I wanted to enunciate it with like a German accent. Like it seemed like that was appropriate. <laughs> And your first name is is Hawaiian, right? You said your parents live in Hawaii. Yeah, so they're kind of obsessed with Hawaii. I don't know, I don't know how that happened, um, but they like lived there for a while before I was born. And when I graduated high school and I was moving up here, they were like, "Oh, all right, peace. <laughs> we're going to Hawaii." But they love it up there. I don't know. It's funny because in Huntington Beach, where I grew up, our house was like full of like the old vintage like Hawaiian decor kind of. And so it that is all in Hawaii now, which it's really funny because it's like Hawaiian home in Hawaii. It, it moved back to its homeland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was pretty good. Is there a lot of teak wood? Mm, no. Our, uh, no. I think our it's house called really monkey pod. Some monkey pod. <laughs> That shit is the shit. I, I like to paint on it when I find that it. That shit is the shit. <laughs> it is indeed. Love that about that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's um let's promote some of your stuff. You know, uh, my love for you is doing a podcast now. You hear about that? I, I have listened to the first couple. Yeah, I Megan, I love her. Yeah, she's, she's rad. Amazing, and she did a studio visit with me um, before my show in LA. And, you know, that was kind of the first time that we've, like, hung out, you know? And she's just wonderful. And she was telling me how she was thinking about, like, passing the torch on the blog. And it broke my heart. I mean, she would probably kill me, like, talking talking about this. But I was just like, no, like, you're one of, like, the strong women in, like, the art community who, like, has this, you know, throws this huge net over, like, everything. And, you know, so many people love your blog, but I can get how you could get a little burnt out. Yeah. And stuff like that. But yeah, she's she's fucking awesome. Well, I'm looking she's- forward to her running uh, the podcast, running with the podcast towards because maybe that'll be the sort of natural progression of the of the blog being yeah, totally. like the the quiet typed word, just moving that right into, uh, you know, a more personal uh, interview type style, you know, that and then she could always put pictures to to podcast interviews, you know, so I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely, and she's so like, she's so good with, with talking to people and, you know, and asking the right questions and stuff. She's a lot like you, like really personal, like personable, you know, I don't know. I, her, um, podcast with Steve Powers is really, really awesome. I really enjoyed that. I mean, I guess it, they're both like really dynamic, so they played off each other really well, Yeah. but yeah, I'm glad that she's making that that transition it's 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 a good one for yeah, sure yeah it's rad and it's it's going to help the community and it, it's going to help me to to have other people also doing the same thing cuz <laughs> there's virtually nobody doing it in the visual arts world even though there's so many things there's so many you know blogs and and facebooks and websites that it's actually so, well it's like it's i mean it's a facet that i think is really important 
because you don't like, I don't know, you see all this artist work all the time and you know, you're just bombarded with these images of their stuff and like, you know, the, the like boring interviews where everybody asks the same questions. But then when you get in, it's like a more intimate form, yeah. you know, you can talk to them and you he like hear their voice. I think it's awesome to like assign a voice to an artist too, that you've seen, which is weird or like they're like weird like inflections and I, I don't know that's really interesting for me too yeah i agree and that's part of like i wanted to hear those things too you know because it's mm -hmm. like so often it's almost like that thing i was talking about earlier like the secretive artists that they don't want their process seen they don't you don't know what they look like you know that yeah. whole like mystique thing yeah is, totally like i'm kind of i'm kind of past it i want to we're we're in this information age let's let's really get to know one another and it, it takes away some of that fake internet persona curse, man that's no for curse, sure sometimes you're like oh my god this artist is such a shithead like i don't ever i, I don't want to go to his shows or her shows you know what i mean because they suck so it, i mean it's a blessing and a curse sometimes that's good though it's like that that the, that couple that was going to get married and then they realized that they hated each other and managed <laughs> to split up before they got married. Oh, you're freezing on me. I think I'm going to lose you. Oh, we got a little freeze. I'm going to call her right back. Yeah. Oh, there you are. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yay. Are we back? Yeah, okay. we're good. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you have to be careful with what you, with how you edit yourself on the internet. That's why I like doing, there's, even though I've, I've done some editing in the past, like what you say is what gets put out, you know, and it's and even in like a recorded interview, sometimes we say stuff that we don't mean to because we like, it's like, oh, I'm being recorded. It gets awkward. Like our Stressful. brains. I know. Yeah. I was a little stressed when you asked me to do this. I was like, oh no. Cause this is the first time that I've ever like been, you know, been recorded and talking yeah. about my art. Like I'll, I'll do interviews, you know, all the time, but those are like edited super edited you know when people ask me the interview questions and i just email it back nice and edited and fucking with a little bow on it yeah the perfect little <laughs> edit just like oh god i'm gonna sound like a valley girl and say like 37 million times <laughs> talk shit on somebody i shouldn't be talking shit on <laughs> no well that's a, you know and that's a, like that thing with megan it's like building a rapport with people like i've built a we have a, a friendship that we built for hanging out twice so like there's there's ways to go about this where it it feels more natural to just have a conversation you know yeah well let's um let's plug your internet your webs so that people can go find you and look at all the pretty pictures we were talking about let's do it um so my website is you should take care.com and you're uh you're on the twitters i'm not on the twitters you're on the facebooks do you want to share facebooks. that <laughs> they could just search you yeah, I'm on the Facebook. Um, everything, all, all my information is linked onto like the contacts page of my little website. Awesome. So yeah, you can get through it all that. And I have a show coming up at Gallery Hijinks on October eighth. Oh, nice. That sounds right. Yeah. So, go to San Francisco. <laughs> nice. I hope to get up there and see you guys uh, before the end of the year this year. Yeah, totally. I would love that. You should you should find out when uh your buddy is doing the comedy thing up here if he is. That's a good idea. We can all go get down. Yeah, I'm into that. All right, well um thank you very much for joining me. Uh, also I got um I got we got a new uh, sponsor on the podcast uh, individual clothing. If uh, you send You're me your so address, crazy. I'll send you up some some new gear. Yeah, do it. Nice. I love your stuff. I use your little notepad that you gave me all the time. Oh, sweet. I got a bunch of new ones. I'll uh, I'll throw some in there. 
Yeah, it rules. <laughs> Sweet. All right, Pekayla, thank you very much for talking with me. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. All right, thanks. You too, dude. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. And turn on the mic with a thumb stroke Subtle touch, cuddle clutch Is this thing on like the fling with Mrs. King Kong This spring gone Sing a song of slap happy crappiness He came to blow like it was strapped to his nappy chest Surely I jest The best on a wireless mic, not an eye test Yet I digress but why stress? Try and remember when Maybe bit the tender-skinned babysitter Gwendolyn The type to hit and run and go tell a friend Word to El Moreto, Cucaracha, Exoskeleton He know, flow like interstellar wind Toe a rap gin by his toe into hell again <clears throat> One, two, check, me too Loose wreck, see through your gooseneck EQ His name's Doom They wonder just who is he but don't worry 